Diane Sondon. Today's guest is the CEO and founder of The Local Crowd, a platform focused on rural America. It allows entrepreneurs to quickly build local support for their projects. Diane is transitioning the business to a cooperative owned by the communities it serves. She'll share insights about her work and her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Diane, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, a, it's just great to connect with you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, uh, it, it, you're doing some amazing, impressive, inspiring work in Wyoming with local crowdfunding. I mean, I, I wouldn't have believed it could be done until I saw you do it. Uh, I mean, you've got essentially you know, a crowdfunding page unique to almost every different community in Wyoming so that it's just a few little towns and counties come together uh, almost in a neighborhood way to do crowdfunding. And it's working. Tell us about how you've done this. Well, it's kind of based on a, the science of crowdfunding, which is that um, we know that 80 to 90% of the results of a campaign come from the efforts of the crowdfunder. And people have the mistaken idea that if I post it, they will fund. And that's not true. It really takes a lot of work. Um, and so we, um, my partner and I, Kim Vincent, came up with the idea of really leveraging that through local communities. And we're actually in other states beside Wyoming, but that's where we live. And so the, the science behind it is because it takes the activities of the crowdfunder, if you put that person into a community that is ready and spring-loaded to support you, then you have really used that science to um, have, a, have a super crowd to start because the, the host of the platform helps you. Yeah, uh, that, that is re remarkable. Now, your website is called thelocalcrowd.coop. Correct. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit before we go to, because I know I just got everybody's attention with that word co-op. Tell us about <laughs> the fact that you're, you're setting this up now as a co-op. Right. And we did start uh, about 10 years ago as an LLC. And, um, and as we moved along, we always had the idea of, have it, of having it really be locally vested in the local economy and really local. And yet we're an outside entity coming in. So that didn't, you know, make sense. Um, and so now that we've kind of got our model designed and working and tested, we are transitioning to a co-op so that the local communities that host it, because it's usually hosted by an economic development group, a main street or a, a chamber or something like that, they can actually receive, they can be a member owner and actually receive some of the revenues and also um, be part of the management of the cooperative. So it's a that, real that, cooperative, yeah. It's an amazing effort, uh, really inspiring, um, especially as I think about it. You know, Wyoming is the least populous state in the country. And so right. when you start breaking the least populous state into pieces. You're talking about really small groups of people. Uh, you know, some of these areas might have fewer residents than a single building in Manhattan. How is it working? How does it, 
how does it come together? Yeah, a lot of people think it's kind of counterintuitive to take crowdfunding to a local area because it's like, don't you want the biggest crowd possible and not make it smaller? But again, we're using the leverage of that first tier that's spring-loaded to support it. And all of your uh, contributors don't have to be local. So in Wyoming, there's a lot of people that have moved out of Wyoming who still love Wyoming. Maybe they're somebody's cousin or aunt, and they want to contribute to it. So they have networks that they can reach out. And by spring-loading that first group to reach out, it goes well beyond the borders of wherever the locality is that it's located. But the local community, like you say, is sort of spring-loaded, right? They're they're yeah. ready to invest in their friends and neighbors, the people they live with, the people they they see at the at the grocery store. That kind of connection, right? Absolutely, and I I like that you use the word invest because uh, it helps me clarify that uh, the local crowd is a rewards-based platform, which means it's not part of regulation crowdfunding. So it's like Kickstarter or GoFundMe. You can just put together your campaign um, and, and launch it. And, but I still see, it is still an investment in your community by supporting sure. your local co- coffee shop. And then maybe the rewards you get, instead of return on investment, you get a coffee card that you could cash in for the rest of the year. So it is a way to invest in a, in a creative and unique way um, with the payback being rewards and also the satisfaction to know that, gosh, you really helped that coffee shop get through the pandemic pandemic, and uh, you really helped them maybe build a, a new room. So that's uh, how you can invest locally through it. Part of what underlies your work must be a love and an appreciation for Wyoming, where you live now, but you are not a Wyoming native at Tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Wyoming and why you love Wyoming the way you do. Well, I ended up in Wyoming um, because I got a position at the University of Wyoming as the state director of the Small Business Development Center. So that's what brought me to Laramie. Actually, that's not what brought me to Wyoming, though. I first was an entrepreneur and bought a newspaper. So I owned a newspaper in southwestern Wyoming and then um, later came to work at the University of Wyoming. So it was kind of a, you know, I just moved here and I, I, I moved here from Salt Lake. I was born in Chicago, but moved westward at a young age. And so the idea of the local crowd is really um, for more rural communities. And that's where we are in other states, like in New Hampshire and Vermont, in rural areas, because having served as the state director of the Small Business Development Center, and having had a business in Wyoming, I knew how hard capital is to get in rural areas. And so I thought, wow, when I saw crowdfunding come on the scene, I thought there's got to be a way that that can really work for rural businesses. Yeah, no doubt it can work. You're proving it every day with the great work that you're you're doing. I wonder if you'd share a couple of success stories with us. Uh, What are some of the things that have been funded most successfully on the platform? Well, um, one of the things that happened um, since I mentioned the pandemic, there was a newspaper in um, New Hampshire, community newspaper. And this is close to my heart because I used to own one myself. 
And of course, with all the businesses closing or, you know, having to shut down, they were not getting advertising revenue. And so they reached out to their community and said, you know, we, we want to continue to be able to provide local support and news for this community. And, and that was really the biggest campaign that we've done. It was about $150,000. And be, yeah, that was really big. You know, sometimes you think of million dollar crowdfunding campaigns and our platform could support that. But really, we are the coffee shops, the, the newspapers, the yoga studios that, um, that come to the local crowd and that are very successful. And, and there are organizations that, uh, for whom $10,000, $50,000 makes a world of difference, right? Oh, totally. That's, and that's exactly the niche we're in. And that's a small, uh, and that's also a niche that uh, a lot of banks don't even want to deal with because it's, um, you know, you have to go through a lot of hoops. And we, we recognize that we are part of the ecosystem of funding and that, you know, if maybe somebody doesn't qualify for a bank loan, they could do a crowdfunding campaign and prove, prove their worthiness and then go get a bank loan. I saw in an investor magazine some years ago that said about investing, said, don't show me your business plan, show me your crowdfund. Because it's like that proves that you could pull together a project, you can sell your, your idea, you can get people to support you with dollars. And so it really is, a, a, we often say the least valuable part of your campaign is the money because there's so many other things that you'll gain, the experience, the partners you'll meet, um, the, the test marketing of your idea. That, that really is great. Uh, as you uh, work to do this, um, give us a little bit of the history of how it came together, uh, including some of the technology development aspects. This is kind of a challenging thing. Uh, you know, the, as I picture it, uh, working with folks in rural Wyoming, but uh, educate us and uh, help us understand how this comes together so far out of the reaches of Silicon Valley and Manhattan and all these places that we think of for tech hubs. Well, we did get a lot of help. So uh, thank you for uh, asking that because I want to give credit to the organizations that helped us. We did write um, some SBIR grants and um, that small business innovation research. And it, um, we got two of them from USDA, Department of Ag. We worked with the University of Wyoming, the Small Business Development Center, because um, they have a real good support system for writing these grants, because they're not easy to write. They are, uh, they are the hardest grants I have ever had to write, and uh, I, I've written a lot. But um, And then we got an NSF grant, National Science Foundation, and all those helped move us along and helped us prove the idea worked, that the local crowd is a valid economic development tool. It does successfully raise capital, financial capital. And then the thing that we learned in our last research was with National Science Foundation is it also supports social capital, the development of social capital in communities. And we're very excited about that because um, research tells us that social capital is key 
to economic development success. It's about trust. It's about movement of resources through networks. And when you don't have social capital, it's very hard to be successful, build a successful economy, an entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so by having a tool that not only helps a communities, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits raise funds, it also helps build social capital. Uh, so we're excited about that. And, and that is kind of the path we took, is like proving this, proving this, and then developing, as we went along the way, different uh, educational programs. Because um, the, the people crop, and I always say, crowdfunding is not rocket science but it is a science and we like to tell you the proven methods so that you can be successful with your campaign. What is the most important proven method? Speaking of that science. Okay. I, I will, I will jump right to what I say all the time about this. Um, we tell people to get 30% of their goal committed before they hit the launch button. So, you know, if you're trying to raise $10,000, you need to get, you know, $3,300 committed. And, and it doesn't mean that they already put it in your um, online because maybe your campaign isn't even going yet. But where they'll say, you know, my Aunt Sally is going to give me $500 when I launch campaign. And then when you hit the launch button, bam, 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 all of a sudden you've got $3,300 in there. And people are saying, this is a successful campaign. And then they're going to want to jump on board. If they look at your campaign in day five and you've got nobody, they're thinking, nobody trusts you. Nobody supports you. I don't know that I could trust you. So you really need to do that pre-motion. Get everybody committed. Get that 30%. And that's the the biggest uh, point, I would say. Yeah, Uh, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's really powerful insight, very helpful to people. Uh, Diane, you've really accomplished something that matters. Uh, you're growing it, you're building it, uh, but let's not be shy. You've done something that's really important. And of course you've had uh, a successful career. What do you see as your superpower? Okay, well, I knew you were gonna ask about superpowers, but I wanna ask you how you define superpower. Well, I think of a superpower as the as a core strength that you've developed over the years that enables you to do the things that you do. Um, you know, most people have one or two key skills that they leverage to compensate for their other weaknesses. <laughs> now, maybe you don't have any weaknesses, but I suspect, <laughs> suspect still you have some real strengths. So what do you see as those strengths that get that help you achieve the things you do okay well i will i I will answer that and then i also really love the idea of talking about superpowers i i I know it's something you've been talking about a lot so i i want to riff on that a little bit too but what i would say is my superpower um and i really didn't have this thought through till you said that but i think it is a capacity to be visionary and to see a little bit around the corner. And, um, and you know, like I, I heard a quote um, by a hockey player 
that I don't go where the puck is, I go where the puck is going to be. And um, that's kind of what I, I have a, the capacity to see a little bit where the puck is going to be. Yeah, that is, that's really a powerful, powerful skill, that ability to see where the puck is going, that vision, ability to see around the corner. Um, can you think of an example, a time when you were able to do that just a little bit uh, and it had a positive outcome? Well, I'm, I'll stick with the local crowd uh, platform. And um, I think that where we saw, um, I mean, at the time that we got into crowdfunding, it wasn't really thought about as a, as a business idea. And, and now where I'm, and so then we're like using it to really support business growth. And of course, that's the norm now. But what I see now, a little bit around the corner, for a local platform that is community owned is kind of a disillusionment with platforms that are big and controlled by somebody else that you're not sure if you share their values with or you don't have any input with. And so here is a platform that could be used by the community and really have a vested interest in it. Oh, fantastic. That is a, a great example. Uh, of how you've been able to use that that visionary skill. As you think about that, reflecting on your career, especially, can you can you think of some of the ways that you developed that? I mean, if you were you know coaching a friend or colleague to be more visionary, I realize that part of that may feel innate, but part of it is is the the things you've experienced and the lessons you've taken from that. If you could share insights on how to be more visionary, what would what would they be? Well, what comes to mind is um, silence and solitude. Is being able to and nature, you know, being able to um, go go out and and even if it's in your backyard, you don't have to make a big camping trip and all that. You just be out, and it doesn't always have to be in nature. It could be a hot bath, you know, um, but just some solitude and some silence. I think that's really key to being able to open that, that visionary sense, that inner eye to be able to see um, and, and contemplate on things. Yeah, that is really interesting. Really an interesting idea. I had, uh, when you're in that mode, as you look at uh, that silence and that alone time, how do you then translate that to vision? Is there a connect the, I'm trying to connect the dots. Um, I, I get that it's foundational. I don't doubt it. I'm just as, as a much less visionary person, I'm trying to understand how to get to where you are. Um, well, you know, Mad, uh, I, Einstein is credited with saying, and anymore, I don't know if people really said these things, but anyway, it's a great quote, is that imagination is more uh, uh, powerful than knowledge, something to that effect. And he did do thought experiments. So I would say, um, you know, use your imagination in that and, and do thought experiments. And I can give you an example of this in regard to superpowers. This is the riff I wanted to do. 
So I'm imagining a, a, new, a new order of superpowers. I mean, we have ideas of Superman and we have ideas of, of wizards and Harry Potter and, um, and the Lord of the Rings and, and Star Wars. And in all those mythologies and stories that we have, there is a villain that maybe started out good, like Anakin Skywalker, and then becomes Darth Vader, because they have the superpowers and they turn to, to evil. So in my vision of superpowers, I'm envisioning that the technology in superpowers has evolved, just like all our technology has evolved. And there's now a filtering device that comes through your heart, the purity of your heart. And so you, the superpowers come through the purity of your heart. And so if you turn to the dark side, the powers turn off. So I'm envisioning the new order of superpowers cannot be used by anyone without a pure heart. So now that's an imagination thought experiment. So what does that have to do with my work? Um, well, one, it's like I kind of like that thought experiment. I like the idea of being powerful and only for goodness. And that's, I mean, that's the name of your podcast, is Superpowers for Good. And so I love that. And so, so how do you implement that? What does that have to do with my business? Well, one of the ways I implement it is realizing that my work is about purification of my heart. And I will become more and more and more powerful the more pure my heart is. And then the local crowd is TLC, which is Tender Loving Care. And it has been my intention all along that it, it provides a platform for people to show their care for one another. And so taking, so the, I mean, that really is the intention of the platform. And, and, and I think the more pure of heart I become, the more brave I become, because you know, courage is the French word that means large heart. And so then I have more courage to actually say that out loud because Having been in the business world for so long, these ideas of loving kindness and tender loving care are kind of um, dismissed and denigrated in some ways. I mean, I remember I was at one meeting and somebody said, we can't let relationships get in the way of business. And I'm thinking, no business happens without relationships. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I kind of have a little bit of PTSD having been through that. But um, I really believe that the future of superpower is through the pureness of our hearts. And that's how um, communities can come together. Uh, I, I love that message. Uh, I think what I'm going to do now is require that everyone who ever wants to be on the show listen to this podcast, this episode, because this is so <laughs> oh, great. So I'm glad you explained what my podcast is to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, great. I really um, appreciate that you're doing it, you know, because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you. I think you make some incredibly valuable points, and I'm grateful for your sharing them. So, Diane, as we wrap up here, I wonder if I could just invite you to take a minute and tell okay. people how to find 
uh, the local crowd, how to connect with you personally, how to donate to a campaign, whatever you want to make sure people know how to do, please, please share. Uh, I suspect there are communities around the country, rural communities by the thousands that would be interested in uh, connecting to figure out how to get you there. So be sure to take a minute on that too. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because if someone's listening that is in, you know, economic development, you know, whether a board member or, you know, a director, whatever, a volunteer that, uh, that maybe that, organization would be a great host for the local crowd and then you could do this in your community so um the local crowd.coop is our um our website as you said so that's kind of a good way to get in touch with us through that um we are on facebook and instagram and um linkedin and uh twitter and so uh, I think you could just go, you know, look, search for us there. I know that the Twitter is at uh, TLC Power, um, and the other ones have long addresses that I don't know. But um, and then we're all at uh, at thelocalcrowd.com. Now we we do still have our .com email addresses, so I would be Diane at thelocalcrowd.com. Any of us uh, that you want to connect with, my partner Kim at thelocalcrowd.com is easy to find us that way. And I also have a TikTok account, uh, which has been a more personal thing, but um, I'm having a little bit of fun with TikTok and I'm going to get uh, some local crowd stuff on there as well. Fantastic. Well, uh, Diane, thank you so, so much for taking the time for this discussion. Uh, it's really been an inspiration to me to have you on the show. I am truly grateful for what you've taught me is I have always struggled with uh, vision. And I'm excited to try to use what you've taught me to be more visionary. I'm grateful for the insights you offered in explaining my podcast to me. Genuinely <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> I'll quote you forever. So, well, thank well, you. Thank okay. You. Well, thank you for the invitation. It's been really a lot thank of fun. You. We, we wish you every success in the great work you're doing, Diane. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then, let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.